Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show on another grand and glorious day here in the best little city in America. It sounds like things are going to change a little bit. How about we spend a couple hours in the meantime engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics. It's going to be a lot of that today. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, we got some we got some other topics for you today, though. It's going to be fun. Uh, thank you for spending some time with us today. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio, back from another night of calling your Sioux Falls Sky Force. Uh, Dan, uh, did we did we win? Knock knock. Four zero. So you're not playing the game. Knock knock. Who's there? Foreign. Foreign who? Foreign who, baby. baby! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh man, I wasn't ready for that. I, I apologize. That's I, I've been. I, you're not the only one. I did that to about three or four people today, and they're mm-hmm. like, "What?" Knock, knock. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. then they had Got to it. catch on. So we won. We yes, beat we did. Northern Arizona Suns. Yes, the Northern Arizona Suns by ten. Oh well, that's good. No lead is safe in the uh, G League, but ten's a good win. That is. Now, it's better than the one-point job that they pulled on Monday night. With the scrum in the middle of the court and all that. That's the one. Yeah. Well, this is that's good news. Good news. Uh, thanks for listening on your radio at Information 1000 KSOO, KSO.com, on the KSO mobile app, or just following along on Twitter at P. Lally Show. We appreciate all that. Um, you mentioned the snow. I want to talk about that in just a second. But this news broke today. Uh, I read it on SiouxFalls.Business, our, uh, the site of our friend Jody Schwan. And uh, Woodward and Bernstein, the famed journalistic duo, both, both coming to Sioux Falls for the Bow Forum in March. That is fantastic. That's big news, man. I don't know that, you know, I've seen uh, Carl Bernstein. He does a lot of appearances. Bob Woodward shows up. on. I haven't seen them together for anything uh, they did a, uh, some, uh, they did some stuff on the anniversary of Watergate and that kind of stuff, but you don't see them together very often. So I think this is a big get for the bow forum over at Augie. Yeah. And they've have pulled in quite a few headliners in their, in their yeah. time. Yeah. I saw Desmond Tutu there. Uh, they've had, uh, they had, uh, a couple of bushes. <laughs> some of the Bush family has been in, uh, who else have I seen there? It was. I, it's. It, they get big names at the at the bowl forum. Yeah, some world leaders have come yeah. in. Yeah, and now I can't remember any of them. <laughs> no, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. He was here, so that was a good one. Um, Rudy Giuliani. He was. He was at the bowl forum. So you know, big names, but Woodward and Bernstein at the same time. That's impressive. So good luck on that, or congratulations on the big get. Uh, I don't believe uh, tickets are available till later uh, next year, early next year, but uh, that'll fill up fast. I think it's free, but you have to still get a ticket, and so you got to like stand in a line or something. But I would go to that. I don't go to much. I'm becoming sort of like Hudson. I don't go to much, but I go to. I would go to that. Yeah, if if it were the same night of Trampled by Turtles, boy, that would be a tough go. <laughs> That's true. That would be a tough decision. Um, I already got my trampled by turtles tickets, so and I had to pay money for those. So maybe, I, maybe I would just go to that. But uh, they're in different months, so we're we're good. We're good there. Uh, looking forward to that, and uh, watch for more details uh, in, uh, in later this uh, later earlier early next year. Later early next year, 
Uh, March 19 is the day. I imagine it'll be in the Omen Center. I think that's where they normally have those things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, also, but I was gonna t- so it's going to snow? Is that what you're telling me? Let it snow. It's going to snow. I've been blissfully unaware of this snow situation, um, but that's bad news because I'm racing this weekend down to Lamar's. Well, it, well it's snow tonight, but yeah. I think... I think the snow will stick around yeah. because the temperature is not going to get above freezing. Frosty Cross in Lamar's looks like 28 on Saturday. Yeah, and uh, I think my race is earlier. In, it could be like 20 degrees. Oh, that's yeah, cold. that time. Yeah, that's that's the daytime high. You know, yeah. at that morning time, you'll probably, it says low around 10. So it's going to oh. be, yeah, Friday night low oh. 10. So, yeah, you're. <coughs> Have to get the WD forty out to loosen oh. up those joints, there. Oh. You know, I've been training, you know, so like you can't. When it gets cold, you can still ride, you know, can commute, but you can't really train. So you got to get the trainer out, and you know, normally I would leave it. I get, I have a very nice trainer. I'm very fortunate to have this uh, computer enhanced training system, the Wahoo. All right, the kicker, Wahoo kicker, and uh, but I thought this year I'm going to try. And we put it in the garage because when you're inside and you're doing that, you just get so hot, you know, cause you're not moving. Right. And the air is not circulating either. No. So you got to get a fan you got to, so I'm like, well, I'll just go in the garage and do this. And I got, so I got it all set up out there. got a TV out there. Uh, uh, I use, there's a thing called Zwift. That's a, a interactive, uh, online training deal. You're out there. It's like, uh, you know, like online gaming, you know, like all the, you know how the kids play the, uh, 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 not the Minecraft, but the uh, the war games? What's the new one? Fortnite? Fortnite, yes. Fort, it's not even new anymore, but Fortnite, where you're playing against other people. It's just like that, only it's biking, cycling. And you can race and all this stuff. Anyway, so I got all that set up out there. I got a TV, got my computer, got uh, uh, music, and, uh, but it, and it's an insulated garage, but it's still cold. My toes, ooh, get cold. So last night, though, I watch, I don't have cable. Uh, and you can't get every channel. So last night I watched uh, uh, a couple hours of PBS, and it was awesome. <laughs> All right. Nature. So it was Tuesday or Wednesday night, so it was nature. A uh, whole thing on big cats around the globe, endangered big cats and smart big cats. And it was an incredible show. And then uh, Nova which was all about these uh, the, the federal guys, the, the military guys who travel the globe uh, trying to find the remains of, of soldiers. And these were mostly pilots, downed planes, and that sort of thing. So it was diving. And, and, but it was, it was a fascinating show about how they um, find, find these remains of soldiers, you know, from like World War II, right, and Vietnam, but World War II and Korea, and uh, how they identify them. Uh, you know, they go through all this. It's archaeology. They have an archaeology boat. And they're out there diving and finding remains and then trying to identify them from what the stuff they find. It's just amazing. Just oh, and blew the, me away. The modern equipment that we have today yes. to be able to, to do that at, at such a precise level is just mind-boggling. And they would, it, one of the fascinating things was, so they, were, uh, they found a B-24 and then a B-17, all right? The B-17, of course, the Flying Fortress. I think that was the 17. And uh, uh, renowned for its ability to take a beating. And then these B-24s, which every time they find one, it's all crumpled up underwater. Like the thing would just bust up when it hit the water. B-17s, 
they would just they would kind of it's because they figured it out it's because on a b24 the wing is on the top of the fuselage on a b17 it's basically on the bottom right so that b17 would have something to kind of float on and land the b24 hits the water and just splits in half right away and that then uh, uh more uh airmen survived army air corps guys uh those b17 crashes especially in water uh, but they were also, when they would have to find them, they were also often in the plane. It was, a, I mean, it was just fascinating. Went in so many different directions. That's what you get. And I could have watched some cop show, some CSI show, you know what I mean? And had fake sort of, uh, uh, you know, investigation technology stuff. This was real, real, real stuff. live stuff that people are doing and, and exploring our heritage, real stories about real people. It was impressive. Anyway. Uh, but my toes got cold. The, the lesson here is it's it's cold out in the garage, and it's cold now, and it's got to get better, right? It's not good. We're not going to be in the deep freeze already. About in the middle of next week, it looks like temperatures will be back in the 40s. Okay. Well, that's good to know. we got a great show for you today. Uh, Libby Screen of the ACLU of South Dakota is here. We have her in about once a month. We'll talk to her about the election and look forward to the legislative session in terms of how uh, the ACLU is going to be working on protecting your individual rights and freedoms. Smart Cyclist is here for Weird Friends, and I'll have a PL statement just after the next break. The topic, Enemy of the People, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. To be closer to 320 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and yes, indeedy, we're getting closer to Freedom. That means, but our friends the Bodines bring us into the PL statement today, in which we look through the news, look for things that interest us, pique our attention, anger us, give us great joy and hope. Today, it's it is neither joy nor hope, and it rarely is uh, these days. But you know, it actually is news about the news, as it turns out. Uh, and uh, as you know, probably know, President Trump had a press conference uh, yesterday following the election in which Democrats took the House back and, uh, you know, there were a lot of claims and such. But one of the more interesting parts of it, and I watched this live and it was disturbing at the time, and then it just gets worse. So today this story comes out, uh, actually the story came out yesterday after the press conference. And uh, the headline at the New York Times is Trump bars CNN's Jim Acosta from the White House. President Trump took the exceedingly rare step of suspending the White House credentials of Jim Acosta, the chief White House correspondent for CNN, on Wednesday after an intense verbal clash at a news conference early in the day. During a testy session with reporters after Tuesday's midterm elections, Mr. Trump recognized Mr. Acosta for a question. Their exchange grew heated when Mr. Acosta repeatedly challenged the president's characterization of a Central American migrant caravan as an invasion. Mr. Trump responded by lashing out at Mr. Acosta, saying, honestly, I think you should let me run their country. You run CNN. You know, it got it got ugly. And uh, uh, Trump said, you know, I think it's an invasion. And Acosta kept asking what, you know, question. And he just got more and more mad. And then he told him to sit down and give the mic to somebody else. And then uh, uh, he after he uh, 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 he called Acosta a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. And then when he when Acosta tried to come back later to do a live shot, they took his pass. So he's banned. He's banned. And that's 
bad enough. Okay, and uh, Trump called uh, the the press the enemy of the people again, which is just absurd, absurd. But then Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House press secretary, who has also repeatedly clashed with Mr. Acosta during televised briefings at the White House, announced the decision, claiming falsely. Falsely, that Mr. Acosta had placed, quote, his hands on a young woman who was responsible for giving the microphone to reporters asking questions. Her quote, the fact that CNN is proud of the way their employee behaved is not only disgusting, it is an example of their outrageous disregard for everyone, including young women who work in this administration. Okay, now here's where it goes exceedingly bad. All right, it's going pretty bad already, right? And now it goes exceedingly bad because... Ms. Huckabee Sanders tweeted out a video purporting to show Jim Acosta like karate chopping the young lady's hands who came for the microphone. So you say, oh, he hit her. Well, no. The video that she circulated and, and people sitting around Acosta said, no, that's not, uh, not what happened. The president says, give up the microphone. She comes for the microphone. And you hear Acosta, and I heard this during the press conference, say, excuse me. He just didn't give up the microphone. And the video that Ms. Huckabee Sanders circulates on Twitter purportedly showing this turns out to be from, wait on it, InfoWars. And it is doctored. It is doctored video purporting to show a reporter striking an intern from a source that even Facebook has banned. It's a conspiracy theory. They are they why in the name of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson and Teddy Roosevelt. Would you try and use doctored video as evidence against a reporter? Did you not believe that this would be scrutinized? Did you not believe that somebody would notice, that somebody would look, that somebody in the media would have the ability to tell whether or not a video had been doctored or did you not know or did you just not care for an administration that struggles so desperately with facts that in fact just lies this might be as bad as it gets Because not only are you just not using the truth, you are twisting the actual truth to fit a narrative that does not exist to impugn the reputation. And I'm sure Buck Sexton will come on after this program and talk about how Jim Acosta was slapping around an intern. Because that's how it works. You know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders should be ashamed of herself. Donald Trump, you know, the man, he has no conscience. I understand that. He has no grasp on reality. I understand that. It doesn't really matter what he says half the time 
because people are either going to believe him or not believe him. The, the, the truth, even if he tells the truth, a lot of people aren't going to believe him anyway. And if he lies, a whole bunch of people are going to believe him. So it's some matter, the president's words are no longer, you know, material. But Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you have to work and live beyond this administration. You are supposed to be the person who delivers the facts. You are supposed to be the spokesperson. For you to deliver, to disseminate a fake video, a doctored video, to try and impugn a reporter who you simply are upset with because he asks legitimately hard questions is absurd. And if you don't want oversight by Congress that's coming, don't lie. Don't give them reason to. This is a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can uh, drop me an email, Patrick at KSO.com. You can uh, get a hold of us on Twitter at Pulali Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We got the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen. We're going to chat a little bit. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, a uh, examination of local news and politics, an extended dance play version of uh, bumper music, and we are here today for Weird Friends on a lovely Thursday afternoon with our good friend and uh, regular contributor to this program, the smart cyclist, Mr. Michael Christensen. Uh, uh, Mr. Christensen, thank you for coming in today. And thank you, sir, for for uh, uh, standing up, standing up against the elements and riding your bike on this very chilly day. I rode 25 miles yesterday and I'm headed for 25 miles today. Just uh, just it's nice urban? out. Just yeah, just urban. Just actually bike trail. So home to work. And then after work, I'm going the long way around the rest of the way around the trail. That's uh, that's so, impressive, my friend. It's uh. It's a little windier than I thought it was going to be right now. <laughs> the forecast <laughs> promised less wind, but uh, I'll get through. I'm actually wearing more than I was last night. I was cool last night in the dark. Um, I think I'm heading out right after this show, so I'll get some light and do it. And yeah, we talked about last week when you were here, uh, the fact that the le- with the time change just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, you're just not, ah, it's already pitch black. It is five ten tonight. Yowzers! Yeah. So uh, our bike club gave away the the blinkies last week. In the well, on Monday it was god awful. Yes, for the first day of daylight saving time. No, it's not daylight saving time. The switch back to normal time when right. we, when we lose it. We just call everything daylight saving time now. Which is actually that was Sunday, and so this is the first working day. First after. working day, yes. First commuting day, yep. and uh, so we gave away blinkies and front and back blinkies to folks downtown and uh how'd it go it went (laughs) it was a terrible day it was raining it was cold and wet um we learned that maybe well what we said was that next year if we go out in pairs and just find people on bikes out there without lights we might be able to grab some more people um but you know we're we're down there where um there's some people who need lights right so we visited the banquet and uh the dudley house and uh center of hope good and yeah, so we managed to give D- them away. Disperse the lights. That's yep. good. And again, thanks to uh, our friends at Ace Hardware downtown 
yeah. location for donating those lights. Yeah, they give us uh, 150 pairs of lights. That's so. awesome. Yeah. Um, but that's good to hear. The big news, of course, this weekend, and I mentioned it earlier, Frosty Cross. Lamar's, Iowa. Beautiful Lamar's, Iowa. Our friends at Frosty Cross, uh, you and I will be racing. What, what, uh, what categories are you racing? You know, I don't remember. Um, I will, but I usually do, and there's no reason I didn't register this way, is they have a master's class, right? Yeah. So me and you in 45 plus? Yeah. You're 45 plus, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm, well, next year I'll be 55 plus. Okay, so I'll be lonely. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> probably the uh, four fives, two. You're going to do two a day? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, that Yeah, so traditionally Frosty Cross has been my final race, and usually I just go there and- Lay it all on the line. I give them a whole bunch of money to ride around in circles because <laughs> I want Frosty Cross and them to be happy and keep going. So, yeah. so yeah. they the good people down there, it's a lovely race. Uh, Bike Central is the bike shop, and uh, they've got a fantastic junior program. It'll be, it'll be a ton of people. And out in the cold, because it's going to be cold Saturday. Yeah. But I see they're going to add, all I know is that they're going to add a bunch of sand. Add sand? Like, well, they have that beach. They have there. a nice beach. I think they're just going to make it longer. Oh, sure. Just add length in it? Yeah. I think so. Probably okay. put some, like, they'll probably just make us go back and forth in the sand so you can't actually ride on it. Sure. Sure. Go out and then turn, go around that pylon <laughs> and come back the other direction, right? <laughs> that makes for some lengthy sand. <laughs> that does. And the, uh, but it'll be fun. We had a good time uh, up in Madison last weekend. We did. You and I. M- muddy and slick and uh, cold was, and all that and dark blast. some of the time. And yeah, that was fun. That was a fun course. You know, it's kind of fun when it, when the conditions are just miserable, you know, just finishing or, mm-hmm. or just being out there feels like winning. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's right. So you're like right around and you're amazed. Hey, look, I just rode that. And I didn't last time, and who knows if I'll ride it again next time, The each lap, right? But yeah. Or figuring out the hard parts, like, this doesn't work here, I have to get off and run, and then discovering that, oh, there is a place, is if a you pl- do it just right, <laughs> you can ride it, and then when you find that, discover that, and then, and then you feel like, yeah, I just won. I did. Never mind that I'm- Personal victory. Five minutes behind the person yeah, in front of me, but- the important part. But the personal victory of improvement. It was so muddy. It really was muddy and sloppy and slippery and just, yeah. you know, now I'm looking at the time I was like, because yeah. <laughs> uh, John Barry up there at the Mad Town Cycling or whatever they are. Madison Lake Cycling. Madison Lake Cycling. So beautiful Madison, South Dakota. So he cuts a path through like an abandoned cornfield or something. It would be a sunflower field a field of sunflowers so he cuts a path through an abandoned field of sunflowers and you can imagine it's not smooth right and it's also when it gets wet really muddy and really slippery yeah but i did not i did not crash in there although i came very close yeah no yeah so you're talking the bumps where the where the rows between the in the field are yeah and then you're talking half stalks of former sunflowers, yes, which was awesome because you could actually get traction on those, <laughs> surprisingly. But then, then of course, you might pick up a few and get it intertwined in your wheels and yeah. your gears and your chain. And so then you're tempted to stop to take that out, which, which you do when you actually do end up falling over at the next <laughs> feature. You're like, okay, now's a good time to take that stuff out. It really was god-awful. What was he doing? It's like, it wasn't even straight across. It was like diagonally across the field, so these ruts were not even... They were per- per- they were not perpendicular to your wheels, and so diagonal. they were slick and muddy. So yeah, if you touch them whoop, just right whoop, with your wheels, whoop, you'd whoop. slip ever so slightly. Oh, we love it. We do love it. 
it was a great sport and we had a great time. We did have fun. And uh, uh, your boy, your boy was he, able to win a race, so that was fun. Took home the three, four, five victory. It was um, good to see. They had to move up the one, two, three race, so it started directly after his yeah. victory, and so. I think he was a little bit disappointed that he That's didn't right. get to We're participate not going in that. that. We're just focusing but, on the uh, But yeah, he won that one and and there's you know there's some key people to beat in the one that he that he won, mm-hmm. you know. So he he, he measured himself against some yeah. key people, so. And he has another chance this weekend, so he'll be down there. Yep. He'll be Lamar's. So uh, maybe one more week after that. Well, I want to come back and uh, talk. We had the Chad from Spoken Sport on not so long ago about Thanksgiving, but I want to uh, to ask you about Thanksgiving. Is that cool? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I love that event. We're going to come right back and talk more with the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, about how you can help feed the hungry. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are chatting today with the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, here on Weird Friends, as we do on most Thursdays. Uh, We talk about different events that are going on in our world, which is cycling, you know, running, uh, uh, various sort of, uh, uh, we we get into some uh, urban planning issues uh, and all that, all good stuff. Uh, But one thing that's coming up and we've talked about a little bit on the show is Cranksgiving on Saturday. Cranksgiving. It is Saturday, isn't it? It is Saturday. uh, Noonish, I think, is registration and one-ish is the ride. Ride slash competition. Competition. There is the competitive element. Um, the idea being, you get on your bikes, and there's teams and individuals, um, so a couple different levels of competition. You get on your bikes, and you ride to places where you can buy food, and you collect a food item, and you collect a receipt, and you go to the next, go to another place and collect a food item and go, get a receipt, and in the end, after two hours pass, you go back, you return to Spoken Sport. And you say, I got this food and I got these receipts and you get points for your food and points, well, you you get points for that transaction. And of course, most points wins, right? And then of course, Feeding South Dakota wins because all those good items of food and grocery items eventually, Mm -hmm. after it's all collected, heads to Feeding South Dakota. So it's fellowship and good deed. It is, yeah. And so uh, the first couple of years, I like took it really seriously. I think I, won, <laughs> I think I won the first year. I think I got second the second year. And then I discovered cyclocross. Yeah. And now you're gone. <laughs> and so when I retire from cyclocross, I'll be back to Thanksgiving. But yeah, you know, groups of teams of five head out together and do that. And, you know, you learn, you figure out that, oh, get and go has grocery items. Yeah. And so there's a get and go on every block, right? And if there's not a get and go there, then there's that other thing, come and go. Um, and so, yeah, you just hit all those places and hit as many of them you can, many of them as you can. But you also get points, don't you, for going to certain places, certain local merchants. Yeah, like your your independent grocers, you're yes. going to get extra points for. So we're talking like the co-op and Andy's affiliated foods, right out there on uh, Cleveland. Yeah, that's a that one's a long that's a trek. Tr- I got really tired going to Andy's mm-hmm. when I did it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I was on a, uh, I was pushing some big rubber. Yeah, on that, and I was You're tired. When doing I got a fat back. bike on that. Yeah, um, extra points for the twelve count roll of toilet paper. Yeah, so it's hard fill to carry. Up, fill up your bag with six with six bags, six um, six items of twelve count toilet paper. Could you? Is it, do you have King. to? Can you buy like six separate items, or do you? You know, six or like four four rolls, or or do you have to get you, one big twelve count? 
because that would be better. You have, you have to, to strap it to the back of your bike. Yes, you, that is the thing. You have to one big 12 count. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and one time, one of the years, Alonzo and I rode together and we just said, uh, we're getting peanut butter and I'm getting peanut butter and he's getting grape jelly at every place. we went. <laughs> so we didn't have to think about what to get. Um, also, didn't you ride a tandem one year? We rode the tandem one year. Yeah, that was fun. So he won the junior class. <laughs> By following me that around, doesn't seem quite right. Me, but that was before there was a tandem class. Oh, there is a tandem class now. I don't think so. Oh, okay, maybe we just got booted out. No, we did not get booted out. I remember that you guys were killing it on the tandem. Yeah, we had a blast. He was probably twelve-ish. Yeah, he wasn't very old. Yeah, it was. It's a. Fun. It is a really fun event, though, and you wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't think it would be. Uh, that competitive, right? <laughs> But it is. But it is. But it is. And you get back, and you're like, <laughs> I'm done. Here's, what you, what you? Here's my receipts. And you get you get points for social media postings. So you take oh, your Instagram right. poster and or Instagram picture and post that and tag it. And it's a really it's, complex it's, scoring system, and I'm not sure yeah. it's always tallied in the appropriate way. <laughs> I'm I'm but not. The, uh, I don't think there's been an, an audit done on the uh, points tallying. And nobody's called for an audit. Everybody's just happy to give food. At this time of year, and then yeah. there's a there's some sort of a, a reception afterwards, some sort of a gathering. Food, right? yep, yep. That return to spoken sport, you know, it takes some people longer to get back there, and yeah, yeah there's some eating and drinking. There's eating and drinking and to going on there while while you count up all those receipts. So, well, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's this Saturday. That is, and I know from speaking with uh, Mr. Pickard, who is the uh, owner of Spoken Sport, that you can just drop off food if you want. If you just want to contribute and you don't want to. That's right. They have big blue barrels just waiting for stuff like that. So yeah, if you want to contribute through Spoken Sport, that's the thing to do. Yeah. So help us out, everybody. We're just uh, we're, we're contributing food to uh, Feeding South Dakota, and it should be a great day. And you know, by noon it won't be that cold. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, the forecasts change anyway. It's too hard. Yeah, you can't. It's only Thursday. This is Saturday. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know. They don't know. It could be seven. It won't be seventy. No, it won't be so. What did you know the forecast is high for that day? 28. Oh, you know, <laughs> that really, seriously, come on, that's nothing. But you know what it's going to be when we're racing at like 10 o'clock in the morning? Like, I think the overnight low, uh, Uber producer Dan Peters was telling me earlier that the Friday night low is 10. Okay. So Saturday, <laughs> it'll be cold. Get, so the, the pre-ride and the first race or two will be cold in Lamar's. Yes. And it'll be warming, warming up here in Sioux Falls. It, the secret there is to wear as much as you can on your little warm-up ride and then just throw it all off right before the whistle. Right before you start. And then ride because it doesn't matter how cold it is. Once you start going, you get hot. Your body heat warms it up. Yep. Last weekend in Madison, it was fairly cold. It was, it was 30-something, 38, 40. And I was, my head, my caps were just soaked with sweat. Yeah, you wore your normal uh, summer gear. I, well, I had a Is thermal that skin hat. suit on. Oh, that was thermal? Oh. <laughs> Underneath, I was toasty warm. Okay. No. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll have a good time this weekend. Uh, if you want to show up at Cranksgiving, it's Saturday. Spoken Sport on Minnesota. The construction is over, so you can get in and out. Amen. Yay. That was a long construction, but wasn't every construction long this year? I don't know. That one seemed particularly long. Okay. Those are some sort of conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> Michael Christensen, he is the smart cyclist on Weird Friends most Thursdays. Michael, thank you very much for being here. See you next week. Coming up after the break here, we'll, uh, after the news and weather at the top of the hour, we're, we've going to, let me start over. 
After the news and weather at the top of the hour, we're going to talk to Libby Screen of the ACLU of South Dakota. Please join us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO coming up on Saturday: the Black, White, and Diamond Gala, six p.m. at the Minnehaha Country Club. It's a formal attire gala to benefit Family Connection. Guests, food, food, and auction. Guests, food, and auction. Coming up after the break with uh, the news and weather, Mr. Dan Peters. We got Libby Screen of the ACLU. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and the familiar chords of "Know Your Rights" by the Clash. I play that because Libby Screen of the ACLU, Policy Director for the ACLU of South Dakota, is in studio with us again today. And uh, Libby, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me again. Uh, so um, we, the last few times you've been here, we've talked a lot about the election and your uh, AG, Attorney General. Uh, information campaign, mm-hmm. awareness campaign. Um, the the election's done now. The Republican, uh, Jason Roundsburg, is our next attorney general, defeating the Democrat, uh, Randy Seiler. Um, your postmortem uh, on this election, which was our first real contested AG election in a long time, mm-hmm. uh, a real opportunity for you guys to discuss the issues that are important to you. What are your th- What's your postmortem on, on your effort? Yeah, I think um, looking back, we're all really proud of our campaign, we're really happy that we were able to get um, sort of our vision of smart justice out there and that we were able to really see a lot of people taking it seriously and talking about it, um, to hear some of the candidates uh, talk about the things that we have been urging South Dakotans to talk about for a long time was really great. Uh, so I think that we're proud of like the public awareness that we raised and we're proud of where we're at and where our smart justice work can go. Um, I think looking back, you know, we... We undertook a big public education campaign on talking to people about the attorney general and elevating that race and getting people to really think about the issues. Um, I think we were somewhat successful in that. But thinking about it, we had a lot more public education than we had time to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a big project that we undertook. And uh we're happy with how it went. Well, and you're not going to stop. Absolutely not. We've always said um, that sort of this first phase of our smart justice campaign was just that. It was the beginning, right? Because the criminal justice issues facing our state are vast and and complicated and intertwined. Um, So right now we're taking a little time to think about what we want to do next and how we want to further that conversation. Um, So we're thinking a lot, particularly about women's incarceration and the really troubling numbers that we're seeing um, in women being locked up and particularly those those for drug offenses and nonviolent offenses. Um, so I'm looking forward to digging into that a little bit deeper in the future. And, of course, uh, you as policy director will head off to Pier in no nothing like Pier in January. Uh, yeah, beautiful. Um, and uh, begin with a, a new legislature, which, as it turns out, won't be that much different than the old legislature, um, but a new governor mm-hmm. and uh, a new AG and uh, presumably uh, a bunch of new department heads. Um, if we if uh, some of what Christy Noem said in this campaign, particularly early on about wanting to see some turnover mm-hmm. in Pierre, that will uh, change the landscape quite a bit. Um, uh, are you uh, are you worried about that? Are you happy about that? What are, what are your thoughts going into the Noem 
administration? I'm not particularly worried um, in the sense that the numbers that we had before and the makeup of the legislature has remained by and large unchanged, right? The personalities are a little bit different, um, but but the party split at least is I don't think that the Democrats gained any seats. I think it ended up balancing Mm -hmm. out. Um, So from that perspective, it's familiar territory. They're still the closet caucus. Yeah. They can meet in the closet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, So a lot of that is familiar ground. Um, I think there's always opportunity with new legislators to kind of talk to them about um, the issues and educate Mm -hmm. them a little bit and get that base level knowledge before they start voting on bills that are really critical to civil rights and civil liberties. Um, So I like this time of year in that you can start to build relationships with people um, who are just really interested in learning. Mm -hmm. And you're it is a steep learning curve because there's just a lot of details and every legislator can't know everything about every bill. Oh, absolutely not. There are too many bills. There are too many issues. Um, and it's kind of fun to see, you know, which legislators um, are, are really into some issues. Right. Because there are some legislators who focus on things um, that I have absolutely no knowledge about. Right. Egg and, and commerce. Mm-hmm. And I stay far, far away from that stuff because that's not my wheelhouse. Um, but it's fun to connect with the ones who have an interest that kind of aligns with ours. When you look at the uh, some of the new legislators, uh, particularly from uh, the Sioux Falls area, mm-hmm. are there some folks there you see who uh, might be uh, champions of your issues who may be in line with what you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, a couple of people who, who are kind of top of mind for me who won election for the first time are Erin Healy mm-hmm. um, in District 14. Uh, I think that she has worked really hard and I think that she has shown very much that, she, that she's invested in the community and wants to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the people who make the best legislators are the ones who actually want to talk to people with opposing views and who want to really understand the community they represent. So I think that that bodes really well, and I'm excited to hear from her um, and to see what kinds of issues she takes on. Um, Another one that I'm really excited about is Kelly Sullivan, who just won election to the House. Mm -hmm. Um, She's brand new. She's in District 13. Um, She's been a big champion of women's rights and LGBT rights, um, and I think we could certainly use more people in peer who are willing to stand up and say, you know, stop treating LGBT kids like this. You know, I'm sure the transgender bill is probably going to come back, and we really need people who are going to be willing to stand up um, and not let the legislature get away with the kinds of things they've gotten away with in the past. Um, that couple of people is not going to make a big difference in terms of the voting block. Uh, do you, can, can a few legislators make enough noise that it makes it uncomfortable for everybody? Or Because, okay, and in reality... Dennis Dugard was not going to sign those bills. Christy Noem seems to be very much inclined to sign them. So it does change the dynamic quite a bit. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, I do think that it's possible for a small but mighty contingent of legislators um, to stand up to, especially the kind of rhetoric we see, right? Um, we don't have it's not going to change the vote calculus that much. Um, but in the conversations, especially on LGBT rights issues, when we've got kids who are coming to us and, and just telling us how they feel, hearing legislators say these things, um, I, I think it's hard to overstate how meaningful it is for kids and young people to see people who are elected who are willing to stand up for their humanity and not um, not couch it or, or stand back, but say, hey, no, this is the right thing. And, and what we're doing here is wrong. We've been through this through two separate sessions now. Uh, f- three, four? Because there, yeah, yeah. There was a bill that passed, got vetoed. There was one that just died because the governor said he was going to veto mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there may have been. And there was another one that died for the same reason in so, 2018. Yes. So the 
do you think that through that time and a lot of people have come forward to tell their story um, in those few years, mm -hmm. do you sense any sort of uh, notion from legislators or the general public that this uh, education process has made them more aware of, of, of LGBTQ people or trans in terms of the, the, the transgender bill uh, directly, people, uh, transgendered people, um, do you think that there's been any change because of the broad and very vociferous debate? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there has been. I think um, for some people, it's been sort of a, a change in in hearts and minds, right? I, I do think there are some people who have voted for these bills in the past that wouldn't vote for them now um, because they see it from a different perspective. I also think there's just generally a lot of fatigue. Mm -hmm. I think that people are sick of talking about this. I think we're sick of debating this. Um, and I hope that that sense really gets through. You know, I these are not fights that I want to have. I don't want to go to peer and have to spend the legislative session um, fighting for the basic humanity of transgender kids. If they want to bring these bills and if they want to start this fight, we'll be there. Um, but I think the general public probably is sick of it. And I know I'm sick of it. So, you know, fingers crossed that maybe it won't happen this year. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> there will definitely be a bill. It's a matter of whether or not. Uh, uh, reasonable uh, uh, minds will agree yeah. that it's not worth it. I mean, it. they could shut it down in the first committee. That could happen. Um, and it's incumbent on a lot of our Republican legislators to get that done. We're going to come right back and talk more with Libby Screen. She is policy director for the ACLU of South Dakota. And we always get right into the meat of things with Libby. And I appreciate that. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four twenty-one on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and we are continuing our conversation here today with Libby Screen. She is policy director for the ACLU of South Dakota, and we like to have Libby in to talk about the big issues facing our state and our personal liberty and our freedoms. You know, because that's what really matters, people. And uh, so, let's get back to the AG's race for just a second. Um, now, you guys had your education campaign, but you you weren't endorsing candidates. You were just trying to bring awareness to the issues that the AG has to deal with. So now uh, Jason Roundsburg's been elected. One of his uh, campaign themes is uh, he's going to get rid of all the drug dealers. Um, and because apparently Marty Jackley wasn't getting rid of all the drug dealers and none of the other AGs are getting rid of all the drug dealers and none of the police and everybody that's the entire criminal justice system that's dedicated to getting rid of drug dealers. Jason Roundsburg has come along. He's going to get rid of the drug dealers. Um, that doesn't seem to fit too well with your hopes to try and keep people out of jail whenever you can. And in fact, he's talking about building a meth prison. Uh, how is his rhetoric uh, uh, sitting with uh, the the agenda and the the hopes and dreams of the ACLU of South Dakota. Yeah, I don't think that his rhetoric reflects a particularly smart justice approach. Um, so I'm looking forward to being able to do maybe a little more education on that and talk through some of these issues. Um, one of the things I'm also looking forward to is, you know, throughout campaigns and for all political offices, we hear a lot of generalized promises, but not a lot of details. Mm -hmm. um, and now that we know who our next attorney general is, I think it's time for us to hear a little bit more about these details. Right. Because when someone says, I want to get rid of drug dealers, well, of course, 
none of us particularly want drug dealers all over the place. But mm. that is something that that our political leaders have been saying for decades and decades. And we've heard over and over again that getting tough on crime and tough on drug dealers is going to solve our problems. Um, and the fact of the matter is that it hasn't yet. And if being tough worked, we would have solved this problem 30, 40 years ago. Um, so I, I look forward to hearing more specifics from him um, and actual plans with actual details so we can kind of parse out uh, whether the policies he's proposing will be effective. And I don't know what, uh, like you say, they're generalized. Mm-hmm. We know that he has talked about a mythical meth prison that so exists somewhere in uh, Wyoming that nobody can find um, and that he wants to build a some sort of, now he's calling it a treatment facility or some sort of thing to, to, to take care of meth, people who use meth, meth dealers, and build a West River, which just seems like we're going to be spending a gob of money. Yeah, well, and that's that's kind of exactly the example of the devil being in the details. And I think maybe we can actually do some education with the public when they might think, oh, a meth prison locking up people who use meth, that sounds like a great idea. But once we dig into the details, A, we're going to have to build a facility. Where's that money coming from? How are we going to build it? How are we going to staff it? Mm -hmm. How are we going to pay for medical care and treatment providers to move to western South Dakota? Um, How are we going to find prison guards? All of that is a part of building a new facility. um, And it's if it happens, it's going to be incredibly expensive. And I think that that's a very good illustration um, of how these tough promises uh, don't really pan out if you're fiscally responsible or if you want to be a good steward of taxpayer money. One of the things I heard uh, Mr. Roundsburg say, and as you say, we'll have to wait to see what the details are, but that uh, everywhere he went, the, the sheriffs and the local law enforcement were telling him the judges were letting all the drug dealers out of jail. Yeah, I, I, uh, I would like to see some evidence to back that up. Um, one of the things that he has talked repeatedly about is the idea of eliminating a presumption of probation, right. um, which was one of the big parts of SB 70 when that was passed in 2015. Which was a, which was a criminal justice reform package. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I personally think that's not a great idea, and I think... Again, to talk about the details, a presumption of probation is a presumption, right? Judges can all the time overcome that presumption and say this person's dangerous or there's something about their record Mm -hmm. that makes me think that they're going to need to be incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we refuse to use probation as an alternative to incarceration, that's going to cost us way more money. So again... I don't know where we're going to find these dollars, but if he wants to implement stuff like that, we're going to have to pay for it. Yeah, and in fact, if if the local sheriffs are all telling him they don't like the presumption of probation and they want to see more of these people in jail, they're going to have to build more jails. Yeah, they're going to have to build more jails. Because you can't to... send them to Sioux Falls. No, exactly. And I think that's something that you know, both Minnehaha and Pennington County need to think a lot about as the biggest population centers. When we get tough on crime and start putting more people in jail, it's our local community that's going to be housing and paying for it. Which we're already, there, I don't know if anybody's driven down North Minnesota Avenue lately, but there's construction underway adding another, what is it, $40 million addition? Something like it's that. A $40 million yeah. addition to the county jail, yeah. which is basically full of people with men, high uh, percentages of people that have substance abuse problems mm-hmm. and that have mental uh, 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 mental illness issues. Yeah, absolutely. That's who's in the county jail. Mm-hmm. So if you want to keep throwing those people in the county jail, that's fine. You're going to have to build one yourself because mm-hmm. we're done building one here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do in Hand County. I don't know what they're going to do in Campbell County. I don't know what they're going to do in... in uh, Bonham or probably not Bonham. That's probably not a good example. But, you know, Mead. What are they going to do in Mead County? Yeah. 
Lawrence County. Okay, build your jails. You want to throw all the meth people in jail? Oh, wait. No, you want the state to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this is just me talking. <laughs> Libby, Libby is not, this is not her position. But Mr. Roundsburg, as Attorney General, you have to come up with this plan. And you have to tell me where you're going to take my money from to do this. Um, and we'll be right back uh, to ask some questions of Libby Screen that she can answer instead of me just screaming at her. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 435 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we're talking here with Libby Screen, who is the policy director for the ACLU of South Dakota. We've been hitting all the hot topics. Oh, man. Uh, we talked about the uh, meth, the, 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 very strange meth prison uh, suggestion made by uh, our uh, attorney general elect. Uh, we talked about, uh, what did we talk about the first segment there? What was it? Just smart know. justice. Smart justice. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so that was good. Same um, the, uh, you guys were very active in the election with your smart justice campaign, mm-hmm. but also uh, with like, get out the vote, voter. You, you had, uh, you were very active in this, this cycle. Yeah. How did so- it go? It went really well. I think we really um, got some valuable insights and we were able to do some really tangible things to help people. Um, Leading up to the election, we pivoted a little bit. We were still talking about smart justice, um, but we focused very much on voting rights and and educating voters. Um, So we got some rides for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had our volunteers volunteer with us to give rides to the the polls. Um, And there were two cases that really stood out to me. Um, One of the people who called needing a ride, uh, her name, well, I guess maybe I shouldn't say her name. Uh, No, it was on social media. Her name was Ed. She called us for a ride and and our volunteers went and picked us up or picked her up. And she told them that she had just become an American citizen this year um, and she wouldn't have been able to get to the polls without the ride. So they took her there. She voted. And afterwards, she was telling them, you know, I feel like I'm really an American now, which, you know, we don't get. Yeah, we don't get a lot of those kind of like feel good stories. (laughs) Um, So that was amazing. Um, We helped another gal named Jan, um, who also had mobility issues, hadn't been able to make it to the polls in the past few elections. Um, and we were able, she got her hair done for the, for going to the polls and oh she had her gosh. lipstick on and we picked her up and took her there to get her vote. And she was just so pleased. So it was awesome to be able to do that kind of like, yay, democracy, truly like American living up to the best of our ideals kind of work. And that's great. That's wonderful. You don't get that. Let's talk about voter suppression. Yeah. Um, <laughs> less happy. Less happy. Um, so for the first time, we also did a local um, election hotline. Um, we had our staff attorney sort of man the phone lines all day mm-hmm. um, with the idea that people who were either had questions about the voter process or were maybe experiencing problems could call and get some advice. Uh, again, this is the first time we've ever done that. So we didn't really know, you know, maybe you'll get five calls. Maybe you'll get none. Maybe you'll get 10. Um, we had over 30 calls over a 13 hour span from all across the state. Uh, our staff attorney, I think, was going out of his mind a little bit from, you know, 7 a.m. Central to 8 p.m. Central solid. He was on the phone, um, was able to pro- provide some information to people and in a couple circumstances, he was actually able to get on the phone with the poll worker and their supervisor and explain why an individual voter um, had the right to a provisional ballot. And so because of wow. his work and his intervention, um, that person got to cast a vote. It's kind of amazing, though, that uh, the, the poll workers, bless their hearts, yes, um, don't have the full breadth of information available to them or even 
uh, the higher up uh, on the ladder that yeah. the people running the elections sometimes don't have yeah. a full understanding. Well, and I think I think that really shows how sort of intricate and confusing our voting laws are, um, and the fact that your ability to cast a ballot or get the correct information um, from the people who are there to help you varies widely on your county and your physical location in mm-hmm. the state. Um, We also found a lot of issues with people really not understanding the registration process, Um, either people who thought they were registered uh, and they may have been but got purged and didn't Mm -hmm. check that status before um, before going to vote, which is something we really want to keep an eye on leading up to 2020 is the voter purging process. That's an area that's become uh, uh, highly contentious because. Oh, was it Georgia? Georgia Mm -hmm. had uh, Mm -hmm. the secretary of state who was running for governor and is, is, is likely to win, but is still very close, mm-hmm. purged up to six years. Yeah. Like you had to have voted within the last six years. Yeah. You purged all the rest. Yeah. So that's something that people probably don't know is happening. They show up to vote and they're not on the rolls. Mm-hmm. That, right? That's yeah, how that exactly. Works. Exactly. Um, we had one person who called our hotline uh, who was kind of in a panic and she was like, oh my God, I lost my wallet. I don't know what to do. Can I still vote? And um, we let her know, yep, you just sign a personal identification affidavit instead of having an actual ID. Um, and I think that this has really sparked a lot of interest from our staff uh, in voting rights and kind of seeing the way the election played out and a lot of the problems that were that were happening across the state has made us realize that we need to be more vigilant than ever um, to look out for these problems and to educate people on the voting process because it is confusing and intimidating, um, and a lot of people just don't know how it works. And that doesn't even count the, the reservations where uh, four wins, or four directions. Yeah. Four oh, directions yeah. is a, a group of uh, lawyers and, and other folks who monitor, have mm-hmm. monitors on the reservations. You're talking about people it, it just uh, uh, everywhere else in the state, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't yeah. deal with that very much because uh, four directions is there, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... As is the case with a lot of sort of these fundamental rights, civil rights issues in South Dakota is there are a lot of problems and just not enough people who are working on them. Mm -hmm. Um, So we try to like provide the best coverage we can, but we're limited by our capacity and the number of our staff and the number of volunteers. Um, And I think, you know, there are other groups who are doing good work, but there aren't enough of us. Mm -hmm. so hopefully, you know, we see more of a surge in individuals who are taking it upon themselves um, to try to remedy some of these problems that they see. You know, we got a few calls from people who had said, oh, there's something wrong with this website. You guys should do something about it. Well, we don't control the state's websites. Right. right. So like that's yeah. an example of I mean, thank you for letting us know. We want to mm-hmm. know about the problems. But you as a citizen can pick up the phone and call the secretary of state's office and say, hey, your website's not working on mobile phones on Election Day. Can you fix that problem? Yeah. Did you have that happen? Because it worked for me. That's all I had. That's someone had said that um, we confirmed that it was definitely working on desktop. So yep. we figured we've got a lot going on, a lot of irons in the fire. Um, this information's still available. So that wasn't quite as high priority. And there's also a lot of platforms and a lot of who knows what they were trying to look on, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a flip phone. It's supposed to have the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to come right back because I have some things I want to ask you about and uh, we'll leave a little time in this last segment so we can hit a couple of things. Coming up in the future, this is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 445 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we are finishing up here with Libby Screen. She is the policy director for the ACLU of South Dakota, and we've been hitting all the topics. Uh, Let's look forward a little bit. One of the things that was on the ballot was IM24, which was this patently unconstitutional limit on out-of-state money in uh, ballot questions. Uh, Is this something that the ACLU will get involved with? Um, 
It's hard to say. I tend to think no, uh, but I am certain that if it's not us, then someone will probably be filing a lawsuit, and I will be fascinated to kind of sit back and, and watch what happens with that. Um, I think you know whether you like it or not, in our modern era and under Supreme Court precedent, uh, money is easily equated with speech, mm-hmm. and so banning contributions from different states uh, to our ballot measure system. I just I, I can't imagine a scenario where something like that um, doesn't lead to costly litigation and is upheld. I, I'm flummoxed by the whole thing because the people who put it together, one, Speaker of the House, Mark Mickelson, who was just on the show last week, we didn't get a chance to talk about that or earlier this week. He knows this. I mean, he's a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. From Harvard. Yeah. And I, well, and I think uh, I also question the the underlying notion that that we want that there are these big bad entities out there from out of state who are trying to do nefarious things in South Dakota. Now, sometimes that's true, um, but those are also the measures that have gotten broad support from a lot of the legislators, right? Mm-hmm. When you're talking about things, um, I mean, I guess to, to less of an extent, but Marcy's Law mm-hmm. and things like that. And if we really wanted to ban out-of-state influence on our political system, wouldn't we be looking at candidate donations rather than ballot initiatives? It just seems to be a little disingenuous to me to say we can't let outside money affect our ballot measures, but we can let them affect our candidate elections. Because one of the biggest groups that has had more effect on our laws in this state as an out-of-state organization is ALEC, mm-hmm. the American League or whatever it is, legislative. Anyway, it's a very conservative organization that does uh, uh, that brings legislators down, pays them a gob of money to bring them to these conventions, hands them legislation mm-hmm. that they bring, come back here and file and don't even look at. Mm-hmm. And there have been multiple examples of lawmakers filing bills with language from Alec that they didn't the they didn't even read. Yeah, yeah, and we see that a lot also in um, abortion regulations. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got people flying in from Pennsylvania to write our laws because their explicit goal is to end abortion in this state. Um, those people aren't South Dakotans yet. We seem to be okay with that when it aligns with our interests, um, but anything else, we don't want that outside money. And I just I don't think that's workable, and I don't think that's the reality that we live in. And if you go down the campaign contributions to lawmakers you can pretty quickly find a lot of -of out-of-state money. Mm -hmm. So if we want to talk about out-of-state money, let's go there instead of the ballot initiatives. Absolutely. It's it's fear-mongering at its worst, and it is patently, patently, patently unconstitutional and will lose miserably when it is challenged, and it will be. That's not Libby talking. (laughs) That's me. Um, Let's look at the legislature, though. Uh, Coming up, they 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 come back there in January. Um, for the annual free food and booze fest. And what do you see uh, on the horizon as big issues for ACLU and my personal liberty? Yeah, well, I think, um, I like we talked about earlier, I think the LGBT rights uh, conversations and fights are going to keep, keep happening. Um, I'm very interested to see what packages are introduced by the new, um, you know, the new attorney general mm-hmm. um, and, and all of those sort of committee bills that get introduced at the behest of the new governor's office and all of that. It'll be interesting to see um, what those policy priorities are. Uh, we'll be watching, obviously, very closely criminal justice bills, things that might walk back SB 70 or could try to you know, introduce harsher penalties or mandatory minimums. Those are things we'll be watching. Um, I mean, abortion rights are always a hot topic in South Dakota. I think we heard a lot about abortion during the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be surprised if we didn't see more of that. Um, and I think some of the transparency stuff might might rear its head again. 
Um, we're seeing more impacts of Marcy's Law. You know, earlier this year, um, there was an officer-involved shooting mm-hmm. uh, in Vermilion. And, and he invoked Marcy's Law. Yeah, the trooper invoked Marcy's Law to keep their name um, secret, which I think is really problematic. Now, the um, only way he could do that was because he actually had been, they charged the person that he shot with assault, right? Mm-hmm, because there had been a physical altercation. The right. person who was shot had attacked the, the trooper. So he was a victim. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you have to be a victim to invoke Marcy's Law. Um, What I think is a really interesting sort of psychological experiment is the idea that at the moment that that officer shot, we don't know if that officer was the victim or the aggressor. It was only after the fact when DCI investigates and the attorney general's office determines it was a justified shooting that at that point that officer is cleared of being an aggressor. So it's kind of an interesting idea to think of the person who was shot as both uh, the perpetrator and the victim Mm -hmm. and how their rights may differ from you know, our government agent who is. And so that's something to watch, although Marcy's yeah. law has been modified quite a bit. Yeah. By yeah. The, that vote in whenever that was mm-hmm. July. Yeah. Um, so the, the Marcy's law is big. The, the interesting thing about transparency is that coming in, Christy Nome has, in my mind, she had a much better uh, government accountability platform mm-hmm. than Billy Sutton did mm-hmm. in that she very specifically says we need, said we need a, uh, a reporter shield law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'll be interested to watch that. Do you have concerns about government transparency or is there only one direction we can possibly go here, which is did it get better? Um, yeah, I, I think we can pretty much go in one direction right now because our laws aren't ideal in South Dakota. They're the worst. Yeah. Just, I'm saying it. They're the worst in the nation. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a little spark of hope. You know, if we're going to see work on government transparency, it's probably not going to go in a worse direction. Um, but if it does, we'll be there. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, reporter shield. I was surprised. Yeah. Honestly, I was surprised to hear her say that. And it no, it wasn't like in response to a question. She just said it. Yeah, absolutely. So clearly she had done some research on it and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot we can do. And, you know, I am 22 and then Amendment W, uh, uh, a W went down. I have always said that the greatest uh, uh, detriment, deterrent, to government corruption, which we don't have corruption. We have some criminality on the outside of government. But the, the, the biggest deterrent to bad government is open records and, and sunshine. And we don't know yet what her what the, the governor-elect's broad thinking is on records, right? I right. Mean, I, I, haven't I seen mean, as, as far as I know, yeah. I, I don't have any particular insight into what specifics of the policies mm-hmm. would look like. Um, but hopefully they're good, you know? Yeah. Well, it'll be very interesting to me, too, to see when uh, Mr. Roundsberg or the administration or whomever comes down with uh, whether it, you know, if it's a mandatory minimum bill, mm-hmm. um, I would think that the the lawmakers in general are going to be very adverse to spending the kind of money that it's going to require. One that's would gonna think be the, so. That's going to be the overriding factor. I hope so. That's how we got here, right? Yeah. That's why we had SB 70, because the jails were full. Yeah, but we're, I mean, I think we're hearing a lot of rumbling and a lot of talk on the part of some legislators that... Th- that is not their primary concern. They want to be tough and they want to lock people up and they want to punish. Um, so we'll see. Ugh. Libby Screen, she is the ACL director for the, she is the public policy director for the ACLU in South Dakota and a frequent guest on this program. And I personally appreciate your work, Libby. Thank you. I appreciate yours. Coming up after the news and weather, not the news and weather, man, I am losing it. Coming up after this break, we'll tell you what's coming on tomorrow. Stay with me. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Starting today, I believe it started today out at the arena, the Dakota Angler Ice Institute, and it runs Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday 3 to 9, Saturday 10 to 7, Sunday 10 to 3. You can see the latest and greatest in the ice fishing industry. Oh, it's just around the corner. Go out there and talk about leeches and such. Learn, oh, grubs, leeches and grubs and all the good stuff. Learn from the experts on how to use the equipment. Over 75 vendors. Admission is a five bucks. It'll be a good time. Coming up tomorrow, real treat for you people. The Chancellor returns. Rick Noby is in town and will be on the radio with us tomorrow. That will be a great time. As oh, always. my geez, Rick Noby's coming. Oh, oh my geez, Rick Noby. <laughs> we got to get him to say that. On the Buffalo Maiden will be in. It's going to be a blast. Stay with us. Three to five. Weekdays, the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.